0: The lesson we're going to take from Mark chapter 5 this morning shows us who Jesus is and what Jesus does. Yes. But it's also going to show us how we should respond to Jesus. Yes. Amen. Never was a doubt in my mind growing up that Jesus existed. Yes. Never was a doubt in my mind that Jesus was the Son of God. That he died on the cross and that he rose again. Mm-hmm. And that he lives in heaven. Never doubted that Any time in my life, I've never doubted that. Known that since I was taken to Sunday school as a kid. At the age of 12, preacher preached a series on hell. If you have half a brain, you decide you don't want to go there. I asked Jesus, I asked the preacher, I said, how do I not go to hell? I don't want to go to hell. He says, ask Jesus into your heart. He gave me a little prayer to pray. I prayed, asked Jesus to my heart. I had no doubt that Jesus existed, that he died on the cross, that he rose again. I said this little prayer that the preacher told me to say. I had not considered why I needed Jesus in the first place. Age of 12, I still lost. I did good in youth group, joined the Galileans, young men's Bible study program. Learned a lot of scripture, led singing on Youth Sunday, knew Jesus existed. If I'd have died then, I would have died without Christ. Mm -hmm. Because I had a knowledge of who Jesus is. I didn't have a faith. And so that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. You hear the word faith, faith, but without faith it's impossible to please him. To repent and to believe that you are saved by grace through faith. What does that mean? What what, what does faith mean? For some, it means to simply believe that he existed and that he did what he said he did. For some, faith means doing certain things in order to gain God's favor. I read a tract from another denomination. They teach that you have to be baptized in order to be saved, that you have to be a faithful church member in order to be saved. They call that works of faith. Mm -hmm. But is it? What is faith? That's what I want us to be thinking about as we go forward and we read our passage this morning. Mark chapter 5 verse 21 says, And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him. And he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. And besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and thou sayest, Who touched me? That's the disciples' way of saying, Everybody. Who touched me? Everybody, Jesus. But no, somebody touched him in faith. That's what Jesus was asking about. And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, watch this, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. There's two healings that just happened there. Yes. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead, why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. Mm-hmm. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel, and them that were with him, and entereth in where the damsel was laying. And he took the damsel by the hand, and said unto her, Talitha kumai, which is, being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, Arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of twelve years, and they were astonished with a great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it, and commanded that something be given her to eat. Again, Mark is teaching us who Jesus is by showing us what Jesus did. Mm -hmm. And in Mark chapter 5, beginning all the way back in verse 1, where we see the demons being cast out of the man, all the way through these two healings here, we see who Jesus is by seeing the salvation of Jesus. Mm -hmm. We see his grace and deliverance when he casts the demons out of the man. We see his power over demons and by extension his power over sin. If there is a sin that you are struggling with, a sin that you are battling with, a temptation that won't go away, Christ has a power over that. Not only that, but he also has the power to forgive you of it, to cleanse you of it, and to receive you into heaven. In today's passage, we see... How two people accessed the Lord's grace and his salvation and his deliverance through their faith. Again, we ask the question what is faith? Mm-hmm. So we go to our Bible dictionary and we say faith is a deep rooted trust or a conviction of the truth. That's true. Related to God, faith is a deep rooted trust in the Lord and the conviction that he exists and that he is who he says he is. Well, that's all well and good, and if you write that down on your test paper at seminary, you'll make an A. How do we apply that? Hebrews 11.6 tells us how to do that. And so as we look at the faith of these individuals today, I want us to apply the Hebrews 11.6 principle, all right? Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, all right? So there's two components. You believe that God is. You believe that the Lord is. You believe he exists. You believe he has a power. You know who he is. This isn't, God, if you're up there, I'm going to go to church on Sunday and make sure all my bases are covered. No, 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 no. You know who God is. You trust him. You believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The Bible tells us in the book of James that the Lord gives liberally and he upbraideth not. You go to the Lord, he's not going to punish you for going to him. He's not going to punish you for turning to him. You're not going to turn to the Lord of the petition and he's going to get mad at you and, and judge you for turning to him. All right? You trust him that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so faith is expressed in knowing that God exists, but also trusting him to respond, to reward. You trust not only that he'll answer your prayer, But you also trust the answer he gives you. That's the hard part. Mm -hmm. In Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 43, we see this faith expressed twice. We see the hopeless situations, we see the faith expressed, and we see the faithful healed. Let's look at hopeless. Hopelessness. Mm -hmm. Verse 23. Jairus besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her that she may be healed and she shall live. Nothing makes a parent feel more powerless and more helpless Mm -hmm. than being unable to help a sick child. Mm -hmm. To see your child laying there in that bed and you can't help them, you can't heal them, you can't make it better, you would trade places with them if you could but you cannot. This is true if your child has the common cold or the flu, or whether there's a more serious health issue that's got them laying in a hospital bed. Nothing will make a parent feel more helpless. That's right. Jairus was a ruler of the synagogue. This man is a rabbi. He's a leader at the local synagogue. He is one of the people that the townspeople would look up to as a spiritual leader. And here's Jairus. He's somebody. He's a teacher. He's a religious leader. He is in the synagogue. People follow him. People go to him for counsel. People go to him to have him share the word of God with them. Here he is, his daughter, is at the point of death. Now Jesus was a fairly controversial figure among the rabbis. I don't know if y'all know this or not. But, you know, back in that day, rabbis, they could be pretty judgmental of each other. And if one of them started doing something that's a little off, the rest of them would talk about him. I also don't know if y'all know this or not, but preachers today are the same way. Oh, <laughs> oh brother so and so at so and so church, you know, I, I saw him, the something's, something's up. And, and, and so you're always watching out for how other people perceive you. But in this case, Jairus is not worried about it. Mm-hmm. Alright, his little daughter is about to die. Yeah. So he goes to Jesus, mm-hmm. regardless of what the other rabbis say about him. Yeah. Alright, how hopeless and desperate must he have been to personally go to Jesus? Notice, he doesn't send a messenger, he doesn't send one of his servants, he doesn't send somebody from his house to go see Jesus. No. He, there, Jesus has just stepped off the boat. There's a crowd of commoners around Jesus. And Jairus goes in, gets in the middle of that, and what does he do? The Bible tells us that he besought him greatly. In verse 22, he fell at his feet. Mm -hmm. He is totally humbling himself before the Lord. Jairus, unable to heal his daughter, and knowing that without divine intervention, he was going to lose her, he humbled himself before Jesus, regardless of what anybody thought, regardless of the social standing, regardless of how much face it may cost him, he goes and falls at the feet of Jesus and says, "My little daughter lies at the point of death, I pray thee come and lay thy hands on her that she may be healed and she may live." That's how hopeless he was. He don't care what anybody thinks. The, the, the prestige and the image of the ruler of the synagogue means nothing to him at this point. It's how hopeless he was feeling. Then we're introduced in verses 25 and 26 to this certain woman. In verse 25, which had an issue of blood 12 years. And had suffered many things of many physicians. And had spent all that she would, had, all that she had and was nothing bettered but rather grew worse. This woman suffered a terrible disease. This disease robs you of your life. I don't have to explain this to the ladies in the room. It robs you of your life. It drains you of your energy. It drains you of your ability to get up and around and to be alive. It, it, it drains you. And back in that day, you were deemed unclean. So you cannot be in the company of other people. Nobody else can touch you. means no hugs, no side hugs. We Christians have perfected the side hug, have we not? Can't do that. You can't even go to church. You're ceremonially unclean. You can't go to the temple. You can't go to the synagogue. You have to stay home. She'd been in this case for 12 years. She went to the doctors. That's what you should do when you get sick, right? You go to the doctor. And the Bible says that she had suffered many things of many physicians. You know what that means? Every one of these physicians she saw had a different idea of how to treat the disease. Y'all ever had a disease that the treatment was worse than the disease itself? All right. She went through that multiple times. And the thing about being a doctor is you can totally miss it and mess up, and you still get paid. You take your child to the emergency room, and they go, oh, yeah, it's a fever. Give them some Tylenol. That'll be $1,500. Right? They still get paid. Yeah. You ever gone through that? You, you know, you go to the doctor, you're sick. You go to the doctor, they give you a treatment. It doesn't work. You go to the doctor, you get, get another treatment. It doesn't work. You're still paying them every time you go. Yeah. That doesn't work with your car. With your car, your transmission goes out. Uh-huh. Take it to the transmission place. They fix it. You take it back out. Transmission's still broke. You, can remember, yeah, you didn't fix this, man. With well, the doctors, they still get paid. And they're expensive. 20 bucks for a Tylenol. Right? Yeah. This is what happened to her. She spent everything she has. She's flat broke. Gone through all these treatments. She's broke. Hopelessness. Can you identify with this? Feeling powerless over a loved one that is sick. Having that which is most precious to you being taken away. Being in constant pain. And then there's a spiritual end of things. Perhaps you've longed for spiritual peace, but you can't find it. You can't find peace with God. You can't find peace within your spirit, within your soul. You've done all the devotionals. You've bought all the books. You've gone to the seminars. There's still no spiritual peace. But the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, being justified by faith. There's that word again. Mm -hmm. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So that peace is found by faith in Jesus Christ. Yes. Let's talk about that faith then. Mm-hmm. All right. Verses 22 and 23. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet, and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. Let's apply the Hebrews eleven six 6 principle here. All right? Hebrews eleven six 6 again. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Jairus sought Jesus. He knows he needs divine intervention in order to save his daughter. So who does he go to to find divine intervention? He goes to Jesus. Does he believe God is? <laughs> And when he goes to Jesus in verse 22, he falls at his feet. What he does here is he places himself at the mercy of Jesus Christ. At the mercy of who he is and at the mercy of his answer. He trusted the response Jesus would give. Can you imagine what would happen if Jairus had gone to Jesus? He's risking his reputation now, right? He's taking off the the mask. He is being real. He falls at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus says, Nope, ain't having it. That would have been devastating. Jairus trusted that wouldn't happen. Because if Jairus would have thought that Jesus would have said, Nope, Jairus wouldn't have publicly gone and fell at his feet. He's trusting the answer Jesus is going to give. So we have a man that believes that Jesus is God in flesh. He believes in the power of Jesus, but he also trusts the Lord to respond to reward those that diligently seek him the, the hebrews eleven six principle is applied here you see i've heard faith described and jairus here is placing himself at the mercy of jesus and i've heard faith described as not believing that god can but believing that god will mm-hmm. that sounds good doesn't it mm-hmm. i be- i have faith i don't only believe that god can i believe that god will because mm-hmm. believing that god can believes he is what about if he will what about when he doesn't? What about when God doesn't? Has he ever not? You ever you ever prayed for something and you didn't get it? And I'm not talking about the new car either. I'm talking about you have a legitimate prayer request here. And you prayed for it. God didn't give it. You believed he could? Yes. You believed he would. God didn't give it. I go back to two thousand ten. my grandmother February 2010 suffered a stroke just happened all of a sudden Uh, they were eating dinner and she suffered a stroke and was paralyzed on the right hand side of her body and my grandmother was a vibrant healthy lady she raised me so this is like my mom in in this hospital bed and there she is and she's not herself. She's still granny, but her mannerisms, her, her, her the look in her eyes is different. First time in my life. Now this woman stood with my grandfather during desegregation when he desegregated the Dawson Independent School District by court order in 1968. Tire irons thrown in her li- into her living room window, burning effigies in her in her driveway. I saw her. Re- well, I wasn't there for 68, but in the years after, when I was growing up. I saw her wrestle demons not necessarily literal but well there's probably demonic activity behind what she was wrestling against I saw there was nothing she was afraid to take on she was a tough woman laying there in this bed scared never seen her like this there she is in that bed I can't help her I can't fix her I can't make her better there's nothing I can do for her So Jessica and I and the family and the church, because she was real big in the church back in East Texas, everybody's praying for her healing. And she's getting better. And we all know she's going to get better. I believe God could heal her. I believe God would heal her. I could not envision an alternative. The alternative had never even entered my mind. So one night in May of 2010, my wife and I were moving across town. I'm loading up the U-Haul and I get the phone call from my dad that my grandmother had suffered a pulmonary embolism and she was gone. I had, I had known that God would heal her and I would see her walk again and that night I found out that I would never see her alive again. I trusted God could. I trusted God would. But God didn't. What did I learn that night? You see. Trusting that God can. And trusting that God will. That's prosperity gospel. That says. As long as I believe everything okay. Everything will come out alright. But then sometimes things don't come out alright. Mm-hmm. Was well, it something I said or did? Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. God's answer was different. Yes. Faith. Is trusting God's decision, no matter what it is. That's right. Faith is trusting God's decision, even if it breaks your heart. Right. Jairus expressed faith by complete by completely placing himself at the mercy of Christ mm-hmm. and trusting Christ in the process. Mm-hmm. He trusted that Jesus is the Christ. He trusted that Jesus would receive him. And he showed that faith and humility by going to Jesus in person. And falling down at the feet of Jesus. Then we go to the woman with the issue of blood. This woman with the issue of blood knew that if she could only touch the garment of Jesus. And some passages say that if she could only touch the hem of his garment. That she would be healed. And she did. She got through the crowd. And touched his garment. And was healed. Then Jesus turned around and said... Who touched my clothes? Uh-huh. The disciples like Jesus. Everybody touched your clothes. Everybody's praying. Everybody's reaching out. Everybody's touching. Everybody's pushing against you. What are you talking about? But there was only one person that touched him out of faith. So Jesus turns around and says, "Who touched me?" At verse thirty-three. But the woman. Fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. Yes. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Yes. This woman's faith was expressed not simply by, tr- by touching his garment, but by trusting him as she came forward to confess yes. and tell all the truth. She knew. Jesus was Christ. She trusted him to reward her for diligently seeking him. She placed herself at his mercy, trusting him in that moment. Her faith was not expressed in anonymously touching the hem of his garment. Her faith was expressed in her coming forth and saying, I did it, Lord, and here's why, and confessing and telling him everything. That's this woman expressing her faith. She's expressing the fact that she trusts in Jesus. Yes. And then we go down to verses 35 and 36. Jesus gives us encouragement here. He's, While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? Y'all ever hear that? It's hopeless. Your prayers aren't going to help the situation. You might as well just accept reality. Right? What does Jesus say? In verse 36, he says, be not afraid. Only believe. Only believe. Jairus' friends and family think all is lost. They think that Jairus' faith in Jesus is in vain. They get to the point where they're making fun of the whole situation. Jesus walks in and says, This girl is not dead. She's just sleeping. They laugh him to score and Jesus has to kick them all out of the room. He tells Jairus, Be not afraid. Only believe. Jairus had some fears here. What if Jesus didn't heal his daughter? Is his faith in vain? What will others think? Jairus has put everything on the line, but Jesus says, don't be afraid, only believe. Don't be afraid of the naysayers. Don't be afraid of the answer. Just believe. Just trust the Lord. Do you trust the Lord? Are you willing to trust God's mercy? and to place yourself at God's mercy yeah preacher Mm -hmm. are you God says to you why should I let you into my heaven what do you say that's what you're trusting to get you into heaven Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 7 Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 7 that he will say to those on his left hand depart for I never knew you you workers of iniquity they're protesting they think they've gotten gypped because what do they say in Matthew chapter 7 they say Lord have we not prophesied in thy name in your name have we not cast out many devils what are they don't say but Jesus we did all these great things for you not a single one of them Matthew chapter 7 says well I knew that beer drinking was a bad idea not a single one of them confesses sin in Matthew chapter 7 when he tells them to depart do they they all start listening to all the good things they did. We prophesied in thy name. In thy name we cast out many devils. And he says, depart from me ye workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. Why does he say that? Because they never placed themselves at the mercy of Jesus. Right. They never trusted in the grace of the Lord. They trusted in their ability to be able to do good things to leverage for God's goodness. Mm-hmm. I'm a good person. I've done good things. I'm a spiritual giant. I'm in the scriptures. I understand what the Bible says. Are you trusting Jesus to let you into heaven? Or do you think he's going to go down the list and say, yeah, you're good enough. Come on in. Because the latter. You're not placing yourself at the mercy of the Lord. That's right. I'm a preacher. Yeah. The Bible tells us that the teacher shall receive the greater condemnation, doesn't it, Brother Weman? We're held to a higher standard, Right? I've got, I've got some skeletons in the closet. <laughs> um, a friend of mine was posting on Facebook. She runs the uh, train museum. She was looking for plastic skeletons for something they're doing coming up. and I, I want to say, go look in so-and-so's closet, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. I held my tongue, but I thought it was funny. Yeah. Don't we have skeletons in our closet? Mm-hmm. We have sin in our past. We have sin in our heart. We struggle with things in our heart. We know that there are things... That we struggle with, that are unholy, right? Yes. Remember that hymn: "Do unholy feelings struggle in your breast? Mm-hmm. You know, bring it all to Jesus. He will give you rest." Right? Don't we struggle with that? Why should I be allowed in God's heaven? That's right. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people that can give you a lot of reasons why I shouldn't. Why do I get in? It's God's mercy, That's right. it's God's grace. I don't know why St. Peter gets stuck out at the gates of heaven, but if he's there and I get there, all I've got is I'm just a beggar at the door of God's grace. Are you trusting God's mercy? Do you have faith? And do you trust his answer regardless of what his answer is? Do you trust that his answer is best? I, I don't. I don't know... You know, I don't know why my grandmother passed. I do, actually. I mean, really, we all have that day appointed. It is appointed to the man once to die and then the judgment. Why did my grandmother die? Because she's a person. That's what people do. Uh-huh. The Bible says, "Precious in the eyes of the Lord are the death of His saints." That means He loves to call His saints home. He loves to be reunited with His saints. Right? That only makes sense. Do I trust in that? Why does this prayer request not get answered? I don't know. But I do know when the Apostle Paul prayed to the Lord three times to remove the thorn from his flesh, the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for thee. That's what he said. Paul trusted in his answer. Yes. Do you trust the Lord's mercy? Will you place yourself at God's mercy? And can you trust his answer regardless of what it is? We've talked about the hopelessness. We've talked about the faith. Let's talk about the healing. The woman with the plague, verse 29. and straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. She expressed, she experienced the physical healing that she sought. But the physical healing that she experienced was just a bonus. Yeah. We go down to verse 34. Jesus says, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Amen. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Then he tells her to go be whole of her plague. There's two different being holes there. The first one, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. That's a spiritual wholeness. That's a spiritual healing. She is spiritually whole. She is saved. And as an added bonus of her salvation, she gets healed of her physical ailment. She gets to experience the physical healing too. And verse 41, Jesus took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha kumai, which being interpreted is, Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. Uh-huh. And the damsel awoke, arose, and walked. Yeah. Uh-huh. God heals. But more importantly, as we see with the damsel, that death is merely sleep, is merely separation. We shall all rise again to eternity. Amen. The question is, which eternity will you arise to? The eternity that awaits all those who place themselves at the mercy of Christ and they'll be received into an everlasting kingdom with him or the eternity of all those who rejected the Lord? The answer is determined by whether you've ever trusted Christ That's right. and placed yourself at his mercy. You see, to rely on our own holiness for salvation, to rely on our own ability to do righteous works in order to bring ourselves into favor with God is to continue to wrestle with God. Jacob couldn't quit wrestling with God. And so God touched the hollow of his thigh and crippled him for life. Mm -hmm. Jacob had to learn to trust God. To rely on God. To place himself at the mercy of God. To continue to rely. On the lifestyle that we adopt. To bring us into God's presence. Is to continue to try to leverage. Our own abilities. Against God's judgment. And we have no leverage. In that regard. Mm -hmm. This fails. Every single time. Because the Bible says. Even our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. That means they're of little value to the Lord. Surrender. Mm -hmm. Place yourself at the mercy of Christ and trust him to receive you.